You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. and salutations football fans we're back or at least i'm back kristen is still not in the studio with me today but we're gonna do week eight of the pick'em show one way or another and of course week eight got started with the buffalo bills eking out a win at home over the tampa bay buccaneers 24 to 18, but I got the Bills win right, I got Tampa to cover on plus 10 correct, and I got the over at 43. So let's rock and roll. What's up everybody, it's the Pick'em Show. We're here, we're gathered together for week eight no bye weeks for anybody this week so it's a full slate of games the six teams that had bye weeks last week that had the early season by mageddon for fantasy players and that's out of the way so now we all got to go back to making actual start and sit decisions with our full roster and i see no use in delaying the inevitable so let's uh get right into that thursday night recap after review, the result of the play is 1st and 15. The Thursday night game featured the Buffalo Bills coming off a really disappointing loss to the Patriots in New England, turning it around on a short week, going back home and welcoming the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to town. And this was kind of a must-win game for the Bills, but the Bucks were 3-3 three and three heading into it. They needed to win that game, too, because they lost control of the division when they lost to the Falcons uh, in Tampa in Week 7. So they had to play hard. And honestly, I think, you know, Tampa's not that bad. They have a good defense. Uh, they still sort of effectively use Mike Evans and Godwin. They still got that going for them. If they can find a way to get... Otten involved in the offense more, have a little bit of better run game on a regular basis. They'll be more competitive. And you know what? They were competitive in this game. The Bills came out and, you know, they ended up kicking a field goal on their first drive. So not super impressive, but they score. Then they get the ball down to the one yard line. And I don't know what kind of play calling they're going with here, but, you know, they get third and goal at the one. They give it to Latavius, he gets nothing. And then they go to like a weird uh, motion play where they're trying to hit Dalton Kincaid in the flat and that ball's incomplete, so they turn it over. But, you know, I like being aggressive for it there, but shit, you got Josh Allen. Just look at what Philly does every week. I'm not the only one to say this. Like, the, I'm sure they were saying it on the broadcast too because you see Philadelphia literally line up in this formation, do the tush push, the brotherly shove, whatever. And they convert this short yard situation five times a game. And the fact that you don't even attempt to sneak it there from the one, if anything, 
give it to Josh on the third and goal at the one and let him sneak it there. And then if you don't get it and then you want to try to come up with, you know, play action, you want to throw the ball into the flat there, try something else on fourth down if you're going to go for it, give it to Murray there from a spread formation. I don't know, it just seems like they kind of like back themselves into a corner and then Tampa kind of figured it out that they were going to throw. And honestly, the communication from the Tampa defense on that play itself was really good. You know, they passed off the the man assignment, uh, excuse me, the man assignment into more of a sort of flex man zone where the guy who was responsible for the man coverage read passed off uh, Kincaid to somebody else. So that way, when the snap happened, they were able to get coverage on that rather than trying to just like run it down from a... Uh, from the defensive side when your opponent has a moving start. So it was a good defensive play, honestly, from Tampa. And then the Bills came out and they scored on their next possession. And we finally saw the Josh Allen touchdown run that I think a lot of Bills fans were waiting for. And, you know, it's not like I don't want him to run, but I also just don't want him to run too much. You know, I think what makes Josh such a dynamic NFL player is his dual threat ability. And I think what we saw in this game was that just him running a few times, like having the awareness and the threat of him running the ball, it really compromises the defense in a lot of ways that maybe the offense has not compromised defenses, at least over the previous three weeks. So having him as a threat to run is more valuable probably than just him running in general, if you know what I mean. I mean, obviously he scored the touchdown run here. I think he had another big first down run uh, in this game as well, but it's sort of an indication of like letting Josh do the things that make him uh, maybe a generational talent, if you want to call it that. But that score put the Bills up 10-0. Uh, they look like they're mostly in control of the game. They surrender a field goal there, and Tampa had missed the field goal too, so it probably should have been 10-6 realistically. Uh, and then we get another Allen interception on a first pass, first and 10 from the Bills 25 after that Tampa field goal. Josh throws over the middle of the field, ball gets uh, tipped up in the air, intercepted. And so... You know, he tried to force the ball there, and that's one of those plays where you just throw that one in the dirt or you take the sack or you find a way to not throw that ball into trouble. And I will say that the good news is Tampa ran a similar blitz look later in the game, and Allen adjusted and he didn't make that same mistake a second time at least. So... You know, it is what it is, but that interception led to the Tampa Bay touchdown off the short field. They end up tying it at 10, uh, but the Bills respond, you know, they they dust it off. They understand that that was a mistake. Go out there, score a touchdown before the end of the half, make it 17-10. Realistically, could have been a 17-13 kind of game, but they double dip because they get the ball back to start the second half as well. Score there and make it 24-10. And it just feels like the Bills are in control. It feels like without the interception that the Bills have basically dominated the game and that they're sort of in cruise control mode. You think they would have scored again because after that touchdown to start uh, the third quarter, 
they didn't score again after that and so they're just hanging on to that 14 point lead and they're just trading punts punt 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 and then tampa eventually scores a touchdown basically not quite garbage time but getting close to garbage time but they score that touchdown they get the two-point conversion and then all of a sudden this is a six-point game had they not missed that field goal earlier in the game it'd be 24 21 at that point tampa doesn't need a touchdown to win and they do get the ball back with a chance to win it and way too close for comfort in a game that it feels like the bills were dominant in this is a six-point game with your opponent having the ball at the end and sure they only have 21 seconds and they had to rely on a hail mary but man that hail mary was way too close i mean this is another game where depending on who the refs are you probably could have thrown a pass interference flag but there's so many bodies down there like you're probably not going to get that call on a hail mary but that aside like godwin got open and just didn't realize where the ball was but he turned around and i think the ball even hit him in the hand so it's like you're talking about a few inches a uh, half a second away from tampa catching that ball and winning the game and that's concerning i know it's a short week and it's like you just got to get this win you got to get to five and three and keep the pressure on miami and you got to get out of this game with the win get to your 10 days uh of a bye week mini bye week before you go to cincinnati but it was crazy like so many people before this game were picking the bills to smash to win this game like 35 14 something like that and realistically when it was 24 10 like the game was almost in hand at that point and if the bills kick a field goal if they score another touchdown anywhere in the second half the game's out of reach the the hail mary wouldn't have mattered at all but it seemed like the bills got up and then they kind of went into coast mode and they just didn't think that they were gonna like get any pushback but you know credit to tampa they didn't quit but when you look at excuse me overall the the team stats like the bills had eight more first downs they only ran six more plays but they had 125 more yards uh they averaged about a yard and a half more per play they had about 100 more passing yards they outrushed tampa by eh, conservatively like 35 40 yards uh, penalties were crappy on both sides. Bills had the turnover, but they also controlled time of possession. So, like, the Bills won all of the, the key metrics uh, in terms of, like, controlling the game and being the better team. But if you're the better team and you're, like, controlling the game and winning that convincingly, this should not come down to, oops, we almost lost on a Hail Mary kind of situation. Like, sure, you, you backed tampa up into you know a really low percentage play in a hail mary to be fair like it's called a hail mary for a reason the odds of that happening are not good uh but still i think a lot of bills fans collectively uh were shitting their pants at the end of that game but you know it's a week-to-week -week league I think Tampa Bay is a solid team, so I don't think this was like a bad win. I felt that Tampa was going to be competitive. When I saw that the spread was uh, Bills favored by 10, I took Tampa because I knew that their defense was good enough to give them a chance and to, to hang around in that game. And I just I wasn't super confident that the Bills could cover a double-digit spread on short notice after the last three weeks. So I'm happy they won. 
I ended up taking the under at 43, so I'm glad that it stayed at 42. And Tampa covered the 10 points as well. But that was a get-right game for the Bills. They needed, not only did they need to win, but they needed to realize, I think, that, you know, games don't get won on paper. And there's been this thing of, like, do they play down to their competition, etc., and I think this is sort of a good indication of, like, you can't mess around in this league. I know you're favored by 10. You're supposed to win this game. You're in control of this game in the third quarter. Uh, I think you're inside the last 10 minutes of the game with a two-touchdown lead, and it feels like it's over, but look how quickly this game almost turned the other direction in the fourth quarter. So I think... In terms of quality of win, it's a good quality of win, but I think more importantly, it's a win that almost escaped them, and they're going to have to focus on cleaning that stuff up in the second half, especially as you go to play a team like Cincinnati next week. And I think that's good enough coverage on that game. I'll enjoy this weekend with less stress because the Bills are not playing anymore this week. But now we go to the segment of the show where we put two minutes on the clock and we go game by game and we break it down and we see how bad it's going to be because week seven wasn't good. I barely escaped with a 500 record of six and six and that's only because I forgot to pick the first game in general. So let's go. Two minutes to win it. All right. The first game on deck for this week is the Rams who are three and four on the road where they're two and one though at Dallas, who's 4-2, but 2-0 at home. Let's get that clock running. Um, I like, on paper, Dallas here, but 7 is a lot because the Rams still have a decent defense. You know, their defense actually isn't significantly worse, at least statistically, than Dallas. They run the ball with similar effectiveness, and they throw the ball way better. Uh, well, not way better, but, you know, 50 yards a game is a lot when you break it down like that. So I think with the Rams not having uh, Williams right now from being on IR, that definitely is going to take a chunk. But, you know, Daryl Henderson's a capable back. You got Royce. You got Zach Evans. Cooper's back. Uh, he's playing well. I don't think this is a walk-in-the-park type of game for Dallas. I know they're supposed to win. They're favored by a touchdown here. And I know they're coming off uh, a win and they're back at home where they're undefeated. But honestly, like that three point win against the team that a Chargers team that we've seen is like kind of inept when it comes to winning football games. Like the Chargers are talented, but they don't know how to win. And the fact that Dallas beat them 20 to 17, like that doesn't instill a ton of confidence. And they didn't really have like a shootout kind of game. They didn't really have a juggernaut kind of offensive performance against one of the worst passing defenses in the league so I don't know that I'm super sold on Dallas winning this game in general I could see you know a couple good defenses here mm, let's say under 45 and a half because that's still a lot and that over under on the the Chargers game was 51 so I'm gonna take the Rams to cover the seven We'll say under 45 and a half, and ooh, I need an upset, but do I take 
the Rams right now in the upset here? Maybe. Maybe I sneak this one in here. I know, I'm over the two minutes right now, but let's see. So the Rams lost to Pittsburgh. That's super disheartening. Yeah, okay. So we'll say the Rams cover the seven, but Dallas wins. The Pittsburgh game was all I needed to see. But watch it. Watch the Rams come and win this game because of, you know, correcting their mistakes or getting embarrassed by that loss last week. And next up, we get the Vikings. Three and four on the year, but two and one on the road, coming off a huge win over the 49ers at the Green Bay Packers, who were two and four on the season, one and one at home. The clock's running now. I don't know how this line is even. Uh, Green Bay has not looked good. Uh, I don't really believe in them. You know, they lose to Denver. They score 17. They score 13 against Vegas. They score 20 against Detroit. The only game that they won in their last five is against New Orleans, and I think that was the game that Carr had gotten hurt. Uh, so they really don't score. Uh, so I think the Vikings have more upside in terms of total scoring potential, even with Justin Jefferson out. And the Vikings, you know, they don't run the ball as well, They, but it's not a huge difference here. It's like 15 yards a game, so it's not crazy, but they throw the ball so much better. And I know this is a rivalry game, and with Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, out of the picture, this has got to be one where Minnesota, riding high off of that win last week, has to acknowledge and understand that, you know, the time is now. Like, Detroit has already taken the lead in the division, and, you know, it's not over, but they're already pretty much well in front of the division. And so... For what Minnesota needs to do, they need to win the games like this that they're supposed to win, especially against division rivals, because if it comes down to a tiebreaker and a division record type of thing, then they're going to have to make sure that this is locked up. And, you know, Jair Alexander's questionable. I know that, like, Green Bay's supposed to have a good defense. I just still really haven't seen it yet from them. So despite the supposed talent, I don't know that they're super capable uh you know they've only given up 211 passing yards a game but they give up 143 on the ground so this could be a good spot for madison and cam Akers to really alleviate some of the pressure on cousins and if cousins can step in against that niners defense and play well that might be the magic button that they need to get things going get the ball rolling on the rest of the season for them and still make a push at the division at least at the playoffs for sure and I mean the Packers are at home if there's ever a game that they're going to try and step up and win this has got to be it but I will take I'll take Minnesota and you know both of these teams in terms of like point averages are kind of low they don't score that much so the over under being set at 41 and a half division game it's going to be a little cold and wet yeah we'll go under but we'll take Minnesota to win and excuse me under 41 and a half minnesota to win and it's even on the money line so minnesota to win and just win outright and up next we've got the falcons who are four and three after a big road win they're one and two on the road and they're going to tennessee who's two and four but two and one at home so both of their wins have come at home it's going to be a little chilly outside but atlanta is favored by two and a half I don't know what to do with the Titans anymore. When I pick them to win, they lose. When I pick them to lose, they win. 
And their defense just hasn't been good. Uh, they gave up more passing yards and more rushing yards in Atlanta. If it's true that they're interested in trading Derrick Henry and they're trying to make a move for him, I think they probably... I don't know. I don't know if they're going to shut him down. I see four hours ago from Adam Schefter says the Titans running back Henry told no plans for trade. So this could be their last stand kind of a game, but they just don't really score. And that's a problem. I don't even know if Tannehill is going to play. He's still out. So it's going to be Will Levis or Malik Willis. So you think you would have to rely on that run game here and go Derrick Henry heavy, but the Falcons have been pretty good against the run uh so i think if you're gonna get into a dueling run i don't know atlanta being favored on the road here though like this is a good spot for tennessee to find a win somehow and i need an upset somewhere so maybe i go with this one but you know it looks like they got sean murphy bunting they got christian fulton uh they got Edmonds, amani hooker they look like they're okay defensively uh, they got Tart, Autry, Landry, Simmons. They're all there. I think, I don't know. This is a game that, you know, last year I would have thought. I wouldn't, I would not, excuse me, have thought twice about it. I would have just figured that Titans win this game comfortably. Uh, but I think the Falcons sort of, they got lucky last week. I mean, they didn't get lucky. They played well. But I think they sort of lucked out uh, a W there in a game where, you know, they've given up, what, 18 more points than they've scored. And Tennessee's right in that same boat, which is interesting. But I don't know. I'm going to take Tennessee at home to win, I think. And I don't know, over under 35. Yikes. Let's say over 35. That's so low. I don't want to watch a game where these two teams combined for less than 35 points. So, I mean, I'm, I'm picking with my heart. But... I feel like Atlanta probably should have lost last week. You know, credit to them for winning, but it's tough to go on the road again, win again. So if, if Derrick Henry's really not getting traded, then this is going to be the breakout game where he's got to be Derrick Henry if they're going to have a chance at the rest of the season. But we'll see what goes on with the quarterback situation if Tannehill's not playing. I don't know which one of the two. It looks like Levis, but uh, yeah, we'll go Tennessee to win at plus two and a half and over 35. Next up, we get the Saints on the road. Well, they're three and four. They're two and two on the road. And they'll be heading to Indianapolis to face the Colts, who are three and four, but one and three at home. And I don't know what got into the Colts, but those ugly-ass uniforms they were wearing, which I shouldn't say, I don't know, the black helmets... It looked like a Canadian football league or an arena team or something like that. I think the Colts' regular uniforms are good, so I don't know what they were doing with those, but it did help them score some points, and they almost won. And they scored a lot of points on a, you know, pretty good defense. And the one thing that the Colts have done this season is they've been pretty consistent in their scoring, you know? They went 22, 23, 23, 20, 38, so they definitely get the ball into the end zone more often uh, than not. They're not a team that's going to come out here and really like lay a, a horrible egg. And the Saints, although they have a good defense and they should be able to win, it's tough to have faith in the Saints. That's just the way that it is. I mean, Kamara's back. They're starting to sort of get their rhythm together. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor is back for the Colts as well, and he's starting to get his feet 
under him and they're starting to maybe figure out who they are and you know you got James Hurst who's out at left tackle and Andres Pete did a good job of backing him up but Pete's questionable now Max Garcia the other left guard questionable they got their fullback questionable Michael Thomas is questionable it's Mario Davis uh, uh, Tyron Matthew Marcus May the Saints are just really beat up and now they have to go on the road against a Colts team that you know even if they're not uh, the best team in the league they're they're healthier right now and you know they're only missing Braden Smith at right tackle I think I think realistically the Colts defense might actually even be better I don't know that I can say that with full confidence but what I can say is that they give up more yards a game so you would think that the Saints defense is better but the Saints struggled to score too they scored 17 against Green Bay they scored nine against Tampa I mean sure they beat up on New England 34 zip but then they come out and they scored 13 they scored 24 and back-to-back losses so I don't know on the road I think I'm liking the Colts in this one, to be honest, because the Colts, uh, at the very least, they run the ball, and they actually average more passing yards, too. So, yeah, I I think after last week, they learned that they can score against a good defense, and I don't think the Saints are bringing the same kind of defense to the table as Cleveland. All right, fuck it. Let's go with the Colts. What is this? Uh, 43.5. We'll go over 43.5. Colts at plus two and a half, and the W. And then speaking of the Patriots, they get the Miami Dolphins in Miami, and I I guess I am cheering for the Patriots to win here because the Bills need that to happen, but not really what I want to see, to be honest. I don't want to see either of these teams win. If they could play to a draw, that would be preferable for me, but... Uh, you know, it was 24-17 the first time they played, so it seems like this Dolphins team has a long history, right now at least, of being a thorn in <laughs> New England's side, and I gotta hope that that trend continues, but, you know, Miami's won, what, four out of the last, no, five out of the last six meetings between the two, so realistically, what, since McDaniel came to town? And, you know, New England held them kind of in check. They kept them to 24 when they played earlier this season. Uh, So it's not impossible for New England to be competitive. They just showed that with a good run game and a good defense, they are more capable. Uh, They're, you know, but the Dolphins are getting Jalen Ramsey back in this game. The Patriots, as usual, have a lot of red on their depth chart, uh, but can't really trust any of that so no key injuries at least uh nothing new that i've seen that would be worth uh talking about and then miami you know most are it's questionable but they'll be okay behind him uh you got alex excuse me alec ingold is questionable connor williams teron armstead is on ir so they're missing him and then howard javon holland jalen ramsey who is active but questionable i mean realistically this is a game that the dolphins should win uh, they're favored by nine, and I could totally see that. It makes sense. Um, and I think they probably do win by nine. Uh, they're in Miami. Yeah. I think the Patriots, although they're going to be riding high after that win last week, that's a game that 
they played a good game. Bills played a bad game. And I know Miami doesn't really have a, a fantastic defense. And maybe this game ends up being close. But I don't know. I feel like Miami should do what the Bills should have done. I mean, like I said, I don't want to really see either team win over under a 47. Miami's defense really ain't that good. They've given up 187 points, but they score a lot. So I think just because it's a division game still, we'll get under 47. Miami by nine with the W. Yeah. But as much as it pains me to say this, go Patriots. Ugh. Ooh, and up next we get the Battle of the Meadowlands as the Jets, who are 3-3, three 1-1 three, one one on the road, head home, but also away, to play the Giants, who are 2-5, 1-2 two at home. So I don't know if this is a road game or a home game. This is a, this is a neutral territory game, if there ever was one. I think the Jets' defense is too good. They're way too good, I think, for what I've seen from this Giants offense. I mean, the Giants won 14-7 last week. They scored 9 points against Buffalo. They scored 16 against Miami, 3 against Seattle, 12 against San Francisco. Like, this defense they're about to play in the Jets is better than any of those defenses. So, I definitely i am thinking under on this one. Because the Jets' offense isn't great, and the Giants' defense is decent. So I think under 35 makes sense. Jets by three. Uh, ESPN has it a 77%. Jets win. Um, yeah, this is gonna be it's gonna be interesting because it's a battle of these two teams at the Meadowlands. But if there was ever a game that should have been the the 9/11 game, maybe do this game. But I mean, I'm glad that the Bills got to play in that game. So you know. Don't, don't hold it against me too much. Uh, but, yeah, the Jets, I mean, they look pretty healthy. Sauce is out there. Uh, I'm trying to see if they have any, like, glaring injury problems, but nothing that I am noticing. And then Daniel Jones is out, so it's Tyrod. You're going to get a very conservative Tyrod Taylor against a very aggressive, good defense. And then you got Darren Waller's questionable, their left tackle, uh, Andrew Thomas, doubtful. So it's probably going to be Justin Pugh again. Their center, John Michael Schmitz Jr., questionable. Evan Neal, questionable. Thibodeau, questionable. Dory Jackson, questionable. So the healthier team is the Jets. I think, honestly, the better overall team is the Jets because the strength of their defense is so strong that it does make up for a lack uh, of offense, and it gives their offense a lot more chances. So, yeah, I don't want the Jets to win either because they're another AFC East team, but... Uh, yeah, Jets by three under 35. And next up, we get the Jaguars and the Steelers. Jags on the road. They're undefeated on the road at 3-0. They're going home against the, uh, excuse me, they're going to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers, who are 4-2 and 2-1 and and at home. Uh, Jacksonville's favored by two over under a 40 and a half. You know what? I... The Steelers are a weird team. They had their bye week already. I don't think that the Steelers are that good, but, like, they have wins over Cleveland. They beat Baltimore. They beat the Rams, who I know are a decent team, but then they also got obliterated by Houston. And then the Jags. I mean, they also lost to Houston somehow, but then beat a good Atlanta team, beat a good Buffalo team, beat a decent, like, mid 
mid-level Colts team that has talent but isn't maybe good. And then same thing with New Orleans, like a veteran mid-level team, but like good quality of win. And I just have to look at the numbers. Like the Jags are way better against the run. They're about the, you know, it's a push when it comes to the passing game, uh, at least defensively. And then offensively, they throw the ball and run the ball better. I just, I don't know. I don't know why I would think Pittsburgh would win this game. I feel like Pittsburgh got lucky last week, and maybe they're the luckiest team in the league. Maybe that's what it is, and Trevor Lawrence is still questionable. Zay Jones is out. You still got a couple guys along the offensive line that are banged up, a couple guys in the secondary that are banged up. But, you know, this Pittsburgh team, I, I don't know what their identity is, but they managed to get some wins, and they still have TJ Watt. So they're, they're always going to be in contention to make a big play and to, to make something happen with Watt. But in this case, I am going to go with the Jaguars and they're favored by two. So that's not a big deal. I'll take the Jags by two, uh, over 40 and a half on the road against the Steelers. And next up we've get the Eagles who are coming off a big win against Miami, a win that put the Eagles at least with a share of the number one ranking in the NFL right now. And they're fairly healthy uh and you got a washington team that just scored seven points against the giants uh i mean they played the eagles really close lost in overtime when they played earlier they beat the eagles last season too so i know that washington is capable of being competitive in this game but it's gonna take a a tough team effort um and they're at home so that's gonna help but you know the Eagles are better on the ground and through the air. The Eagles are better defensively. There's a reason the Eagles are 6-1 and one and the Commanders are 3-4. and four. I don't know that the Commanders overall, <clears throat> excuse me, with Curtis Samuel being questionable, they're not, like, super injured or anything, but, like, I, I was surprised that they pushed the Eagles to overtime the first time. So maybe it's just a division thing, you know, maybe that's why... The Eagles are uh, locked up in these games where they're the better team, but they struggle. Yeah, maybe it's a matchups thing because this Washington team is being built to deal with this Eagles team or at least with the NFC East as a whole. And I'm just looking at, you know, the Eagles have given up one more point allowed and 141 than Washington has scored. So the Eagles defense still gives up some points, but they score. And Washington's given up 190, where the Eagles have scored 186. So, you know, those numbers are reflective for a reason. I think you look at the last slew of games for Washington. They score seven against New York in a game that I think they got a little surprised by New York. But they beat Atlanta, who's decent and has a good defense. And they scored 24 there. They scored 20 in a loss to Chicago. They score 31 in a loss to Philly, and then they score three in a loss to Buffalo. So you never know which Washington team you're going to get. You never know which Sam Howell you're going to get. And then you look at the Eagles, and they score 31. You know, they lose that tough game against the Jets when they score 14, but then 23, 34, 25. So the Eagles score typically within the same 23 to 25-plus range, and Washington is not consistent. So... Eagles by seven on the road. 
over under 43 and a half. I'll say over 43 and a half. Because last time these two teams combined for 64 points, so I think 43 and a half is fair. Uh, it could be could be a situation where that that isn't the case, and we get a low scoring division game here. But yeah, I think I'm gonna take the Eagles uh, by seven and the over 43 and a half. And next up, it is the three and three Texans with C.J. Stroud taking on on the road, excuse me, taking on the Carolina Panthers, who are 0-6, winless everywhere, and their rookie quarterback, Bryce Young. Uh, so you got really like the number one overall draft pick, and I think maybe the number two. I don't remember exactly where Stroud went, but he went early. So far, Stroud has looked like the better investment, the better quarterback, the better draft pick, but also is starting from a place where I think Houston was a little bit further along than Carolina was at the time. The Texans have some big signature wins this year, and, you know, I don't think... I mean, the Atlanta loss was close. It's like you're, you're basically a mirror image of Atlanta just a year behind the process, and they actually take the lead late in that game and then give up a field goal. The loss to the Colts, kind of like same thing. The Colts are a little bit more experienced, more mature, just a little bit ahead of them. But, like, impressive win against Jacksonville, like, beat them by 20. Beat them down. Pittsburgh beat them down. Uh, the Saints didn't beat them down, but against a good defense, you know, 20 to 13, that's a good signature win. And then, you know, Carolina loses to everybody, but they score. So this should be fun, at least. You know, the, the offense is 366 to 320, not a huge difference. Defense is 362 to 358 in terms of total yardage. So it's not really uh, anything shocking there. I got to take Houston on the road. Just seem like the better, more well-rounded team at this point. I think Carolina is getting Miles Sanders back, so that's good, but, you know, he's not had the kind of year that you would hope for. Uh, Thielen's been playing really well, though. He's kind of the guy that you would look to as their guy in this offense. And then on the other side, you got Robert Woods out, uh, Sheldon Rankins is out, but, yeah, I mean, if Carolina is going to win a game this season, I think... This could be a good contender for that, but I will take the Texans by three and a half on the road, and we're going to say over 43 and a half. And next up, we go Cleveland, four and two on the road where they're one and one going to Seattle, who's four and two as well, and two at home, excuse me, two and one at home. This is Seattle's favorite 65%. That seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. Well, Seattle's, Seattle's only favored by three and a half, so over under at 37 and a half. No, we're definitely gonna take the over on that one. Uh, I know Cleveland's got a good defense and could probably give Seattle some problems, but Seattle doesn't have a great defense, but you know, they can score. But these offenses are pretty similar but when it comes to defense it's really tough to throw on Cleveland and it's not easy to run on them either so there's gonna be a tough test I see why the over-under is set at 37 and a half it seems like the Browns lucked out after a huge win you go to Indy where they're supposed to win that game and they struggle and they manage to to come away with a W I think Cleveland I think defense you know in the NFL I always 
tend to favor the team that's got the better defense. But, you know, Deshaun Watson's out again. Forward is questionable, so I don't know what's going to go on with their running game. Goodwin's questionable. Other than that, not not too many injuries that I would be concerned with if I were a Browns fan. And for Seattle, you got, you know, Adams. Their defense is uh, getting healthier. I think they just signed Frank Clark, too, brought him back. So you get a guy who is like an elite pass rusher not too long ago. Pretty sure he won a Super Bowl with this team opposite Michael Bennett. So it's a guy who knows the system. You got, you know, B-Wags, Frank Clark back. Uh, Seattle can win this game. They certainly can. And... I don't, it's tough to tell like who the Browns really are. Are they this team that beat the 49ers in a slop fest? Are they this team that just struggled with the Colts on the road? Seattle's a tough place to play, and especially for a, a quarterback who maybe has not had to deal with this kind of uh, noise before. And P.J. Walker's not a bad player at all. I know the Browns can run the ball. It's going to be tough. It seems like Seattle favored by three and a half is a mistake. Especially, like, if you're going to set the over-under at 37 and a half, you're telling me this is going to be a low-scoring defensive game. And if that's the case, I would favor the the team with the better defense. So I would think that if that's going to be the line, you would have Cleveland favored. But I don't know. I'll take... I see, I see under 37 and a half being realistic here. And I'm going to take the Browns to cover the three and a half. And I'll take Seattle to win in a field goal type of game. Then we head to the AFC West where the Chiefs are on the road. They're six and one, three and oh on the road. Heading to Denver, who's two and five, one and three at home. Uh, I really don't see, you know what? This is one of those games where Denver's got no business being competitive in this game, but it might just be one of those games. Like, I, you know, the first game of the season where the Chiefs lose at home to the Lions is not uh, the kind of, like, bad loss because we've seen that the Lions are a good team. So, like, the Chiefs are the only team so far to of the good teams to not have, like, the stupid loss to a team that they're clearly better than. And... Denver shouldn't be the team that beats them, but you could maybe just, you know, throw caution in the wind at this point. I don't think Denver has traded anybody. They haven't, like, committed to moving on from the idea that, like, this is going to be their team, and the trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday, so maybe they wait until after this game is over to make that happen, but, uh, you know, if, if the Chiefs are going to lose a stupid game against a stupid team... I don't think this is going to be the one. They're favored by seven over under a 46. I'll say that it's under 46 because it's a division game. I know Denver's given up some points, but they finally, like, get back-to-back home games. Might help them out a little bit. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. They have a 16-game losing streak to the Chiefs. That's That's pretty bad. So, I mean... If anything, Denver is due to win a game here, but I could I could see it being competitive just because of the division game. They know each other well. If Russell Wilson plays his best, uh, 
he can definitely be competitive here, but I think they already lost to him earlier in the season. Yeah, 19 to 8. So th that's a that's a chunky ugly kind of game and that was what Thursday night football. So that wasn't even that long. It was only 2 weeks ago. 3 weeks ago. I don't know, 2 games ago, we'll say that. So I think the under 46 definitely makes sense here. Uh, Casey by 7. They should win by 7. So I don't want to overcomplicate it. I'll just go Kansas City to win by 7. If I need to like sneak a pick in somewhere, maybe I'll take a shot. Who knows? Kansas City by 7, under 46. And next up, we got the Ravens, who are coming off a big, big win over the Lions, heading to Arizona, where... They absolutely should win. They're favored by nine and a half, but man, this is a sort of scenario where they just beat a really good team, they think they're hot shit, and then they end up in a situation where they get clunked by an Indianapolis or a Pittsburgh, you know? So the good news for Baltimore is that I don't think Arizona is nearly as good as the Colts or Pittsburgh, and I don't think either of those teams are that good, but... Arizona is, like, decent at being competitive, and that's kind of about it. But Ravens by 9.5, I'll take under 44.5, mostly because they shut down the Cardinals. And even in the last game, they got to exactly 44 against a team that they were pretty much dominant against. So, yeah, Ravens by 9.5, under 44.5. And, and next we get the... Cincinnati Bengals, who are three and three, they're coming off a bye week, I think, and they're one and two on the road, heading to San Francisco, who's lost back-to-back -back games after they look like, you know, the best team in the league. I think they're arguably still there as maybe the best team in the league, but you know, without Debo Samuel, they're human, and it seems like they don't really score that much either over the last couple of weeks. And you got Brock Purdy, who is dealing with. I guess concussion protocol, but telling me that he's going to be involved in this game and he's not missing any time. That's surprising considering how the NFL has been with concussions lately. And we just saw it with Jimmy G. I think we saw it with Anthony Richardson. Uh, we've seen it with multiple quarterbacks who have hit their head and have missed time. I mean, Tua last year, but yeah, Debo's out. So that sort of changes how effective their offense can be. They'll still be fine, though. I mean, they still know their identity. They still run the ball well. It, yeah, Purdy's not even listed as questionable, which is really surprising. But if he if he takes another shot to the head of some kind and we end up in the same situation we were in last year with two all over again, it's going to be a really, really bad look. Uh, this is a Cincinnati team who definitely needs to win. They've had some time to prepare for this 49ers team. And I think especially after the last two weeks, they've gotten a good look at where the Niners can be exploited weakness-wise. I would think that the 49ers being favored makes sense. Five and a half is a lot. I don't like that, so I'm definitely taking Cincinnati to cover. And this is over under 43 and a half. I'm going to say that this game is under 43 and a half and that the Bengals win I think the Bengals need this game desperately in a way that the 49ers don't 
and without Depot Samuel out there, I think if Cincinnati can sell out on stopping the run and you just limit the damage to mostly Kittle, then you'll ha you'll have a good chance uh, to be competitive here. But yeah, and you know what? I'm going to take Cincinnati to win outright because I need to upset in here somewhere. I know they're a good team. I know they're better than their 3-3 three and three record, and the Niners may be uh, vulnerable right now. So it's a good storm for Cincinnati to have a chance. But yeah, Bengals plus 5.5 and, and the win. You know what? My gut said under 43, so we're going to switch it to go to over 43.5, and, and hopefully that we get a good game. And now we move on to the Bears and the Chargers. Still got two games left on the docket after this, but the Chicago Bears, who are 2-5, and 1-2 and two on the road, they head to Los Angeles to play the 2-4 and four Chargers, who are 1-2 and two at home. And as I mentioned earlier, if there was ever a team that just seems inept, it's definitely the Chargers. They have way too much talent to lose the way that they do over and over again. And, I mean, Herbert's dealing with the injury in his finger, so, like, I totally understand him maybe not having uh, full confidence. But, again, like, this is his left hand. Maybe being under center kind of sucks, but you're playing realistically a backup quarterback here, a guy who's a rookie in Tyson Bagenet. Bagnet? Bagelnet? I don't know. I think it's Bagenet, but it looks like Bagnet to me. Anyway. You got this kid who came in here and, like, played decent against a bad team. The Chargers definitely should win this game. But their defense has been so bad that there's no way I'm taking the Chargers to cover 8.5 points in this game. I will take the over 46.5 because I don't see either of these defenses stopping the other one. But, like, yeah, the Chargers giving up 430 yards a game, 335 through the air, 96 on the ground. That's abysmal. It's so bad. Um, it's kind of ridiculous that their defense is as bad as it is when they when they invested in so many different positions on the defense to try to help them. And it's, I don't know, it's a little comical, but not if you're a Chargers fan. And then offensively, like, you know, they're better offensively, but not by a, a huge margin here where the Bears are. They've got 100 yards less per game given up. And... Uh, most of that is through the air, and they have a little bit better run defense. So, yeah, I'll take the Bears to cover the 8.5. Chargers find a way to win against the backup, and we'll say over 46.5. Sunday night, we get the Las Vegas Raiders, who are 3-4, and 1-3 on the road. They're going to Detroit to play the 5-2 and two Lions, who are 2-1 and one at home, who are coming off getting thumped big time by the Ravens. That's got to be a wake-up call. I mean, 38-6 beatdown where you thought you were going to be, you know, one of the best teams in the league, where everyone was telling you you were one of the best teams in the league. And realistically, I think Detroit still is. Like I said, all the good teams in the league, except for the Chiefs, have had a game where they lose to an opponent that is not in their class. And that is not this loss to the Ravens. The Ravens are a good team. So I don't really ding Detroit for that. Seattle's a good team. So both of your losses are against teams with winning records. And your win is against that aforementioned Chiefs team. Sure, they didn't have Jones and Kelsey, but that Chiefs team still should have found a way to win at home after winning the Super Bowl against that Detroit team in Week 1. So it is what it is, but Detroit still has a good run defense despite what happened to them last week. Uh, they're a little bit thin in the pass defense, but Raiders give it up on both sides. 
but uh, better pass defense, give up a lot of yards on the ground. Looks like Montgomery's still out for this one, which has not allowed Detroit to play the kind of football that they like. Uh, you know what? They should have just re-signed Jamal Williams. I don't know why they let him go if you're just going to bring in another power guy. Uh, and they're hurting without the power attack. So, I mean, Gibbs should, you know, benefit from that. But Reynolds probably going to be the guy who gets those particular types of carries. Still a couple injuries along the offensive line with Jonah Jackson and Frank Ragnow. That's not going to be great. But aside from Max Crosby, like, I don't know that the Raiders, like, scare me at all. Jimmy G's back, but, like, you know, he hasn't played well this season. I can't, in good conscience, take the Raiders to win this game. Detroit's favored by eight at home. I think they bounced back from an ugly loss last week. And they just score against a team that doesn't score all that much. And I think that's sort of what happens in this game. And uh, we'll say under 46. Yeah, under 46, but Detroit wins and they win by eight. Oh, whoops, that's the Monday night game. So that means we're moving on to Rids Picks. That's right. It's that time of the show where we get the dog to come in and pick. She didn't have a good week last week. I forgot what her numbers were, but they were not good. Uh, so she's bucking the trends right now. She took Tampa, tried to get ahead on the week, sneaked that one in there, but didn't get it. So she's on one so far, but she's going Cowboys at home against the Rams, Vikings on the road against the Packers, Titans at home over the Falcons, she's going with the Saints on the road over the Colts, the Patriots on the road over the Dolphins, uh, the Jets... No, excuse me, the Giants at home over the Jets, also at home. Uh, the Jaguars on the road over the Steelers. Commanders pulling the upset over the Eagles. She's got the Texans over the Panthers. She's going back to home teams with Seattle over uh, Cleveland. She's got the Broncos over the Chiefs in a bigger upset. Then she's going back to the Ravens over the Cardinals. Niners at home over the Bengals. Chargers at home over the Bears on Sunday Night Football. And she's taking the Raiders in an upset on Monday Night Football. And that's how we do it here at the Pick'em Show. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. Uh, if you're following my picks for advice, this is probably not the season, but I still have fun doing the show. I hope you have fun listening to it. And until next time, happy Football Sunday. Yay! Thank you to everybody who took the time to listen to this episode. I do appreciate it. And I do believe that word of mouth is still the best way to help. So if you liked what you heard, then please tell somebody. But... Otherwise, liking, subscribing, sharing, all that stuff helps too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at nick at thescheiss.com or at Scheiss Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and go Bills.